0: Mm.
1: Ah. Uh. Ah. Radio. Radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mystery surrounds us. Mystery all around us. Mm-hmm.
2: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca. With my co-host, Luca Hallux. And this week, it is us in the studio talking amongst ourselves. We decided that uh, a good topic of choice this week was going to be talking about solving problems, but doing it from like an inside-out perspective an upside-down, turning things around. And we talk about outside the box, but... hmm.
0: Well, and it comes from that a whole idea of you. C- whatever it took to get you into the situation is not what it's going to take to get exactly, you out. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes.
2: And uh, actually, I'd like to take a moment before we dive right in to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil And this acknowledgement actually... It rolls right in with our topic here. Um, we are on unceded land because of the attitudes and behaviors of colonial powers that came from other nations in the world uh, that had a paradigm that the world was theirs to take and to occupy, that peoples and uh, who had cultures and ways of thinking and spiritualism that was different than theirs were less than. Automatically, and that somehow they had a uh, like a in within their own paradigm a mm-hmm. God
0: given right to and literally they thought it was God given yeah
2: to steamroll mm-hmm. quite literally now that we're you know some centuries down the road steamroll through the traditions the land the resources the um the livelihoods of the nations, of the people of the land who were here for millennia before us. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those issues that how do we we make this right? How do we go forward? This is a problem. It's a problem being, Luca and I are settlers on this land. Mm-hmm. Um, part of my job, I believe, as a settler is acknowledging that um, this wasn't mine to start with, that I'm benefiting from this the the system that was set up by the predecessors here. My um, some of them were my ancestors. I mean, I w- I immigrated in, within my lifetime. Doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm British. <laughs> we yeah. have, this is my legacy.
1: Yes. it was us that yes. created
2: this. And to to find a way out, to find our way forward, we have to use different thinking. We mm-hmm. have to find new behaviors. Mm-hmm. We have to create new systems, new structures, rather than just trying to try harder on
0: the ones that created this in the first place well the, the system, what makes the system, the system the system the system, the one that is dominant is that uh, it has managed to stay dominant and therefore squash out all the other ways of looking at things so then it becomes normal quote unquote normal and then we don't see it as being a system, we just see it as being what is Right, so we don't even know we have a way of thinking. No, (laughs) Uh, because it's as far as we're concerned, that's that's fact. It's truth. It's life. It's so. So we have to challenge it at its roots, at the most fundamental level. Um, And I think that's what both of us do um, as part of the work that we do in the world, um, professionally as well, is challenging. How uh, what, what what is the paradigm? Yeah, and what other paradigms could there be? Yeah,
2: and so that word's been around now for a couple of decades in the word common, paradigm in common use. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's take a minute to just dig out around it mm-hmm. to consider what mm-hmm. it means again. So one of the when when this word was first sort of coming into common use, especially with amongst the business world, mm-hmm. um, I know that I first came across it uh, through Stephen Covey's. Work his seven mm. habits of highly effective people, and I was trying to f- uh, find a way to teach these ideas um, while I was running a school. And so, he talked about paradigm and he talked about it in terms of like the glasses mm. through which we see the world, and you don't know you're wearing those glasses. No, and you, you this they're formed by you know the family that you grow up in, mm. the society and culture that you grow up in, the time of you know, in period in history the norms or what's going on in the world at that period of history. And we don't really know how we see the world until we, usually it happens, I would say, accidentally. Mm. or you, We may choose to experience something with the expectation that it will expand our minds. But we don't really know what that means until all of a sudden it's been stripped away and you've been given a new set of lenses to look well, so at the so, world. So
0: much easier to see it in hindsight, right? Yeah. Than when you're sitting in it. Yeah.
2: And yeah. it's uh, it's um, saying, it's very easy to say the words, mm. you know, use a new Paradise paradigm shift. Yeah, or, or <laughs> have a paradigm shift. It's it, but these things are so very much the fabric of how we don't even know what assumptions we're making because we stand on them. We Just like we don't... And any place you stand as you're going about your day, when you're standing in your home, how much awareness do you have of what's underneath you? Mm-hmm. Not just in your house. E- even what runs through your walls. Yes. I mean, this, and this is mm-hmm. how deep our paradigms go. We just don't realize what we're standing on mm-hmm. in order to m- make the decisions, um, draw conclusions see how we relate see how other people and relate and what what to to understand a situation mm-hmm. so having a paradigm shift again such easy words yeah. but it's profoundly mm-hmm. impactful yeah when would you say you had your first
0: major paradigm shift luca it's so interesting because i feel like on some level i i don't fit <laughs> <laughs> so, so I always felt like I was in a different paradigm. Mm. But I live in this culture. Um, I think one of the places I felt it most profoundly was being psychic mm-hmm. because that doesn't fit with our scientific way of looking at the world. So scientifically, I shouldn't be able to do what I do. Right. So within that scientific Paradigm, And that is part of our world. We teach science to to children in school as fact. Um, And I'm not saying it's not factual, but it is a way. It is a lens through which we see the world. So I was learning about science. But I also knew that I could do something that wasn't um, condoned by the scientific community. I knew people who were healers. And I knew that scientifically people couldn't be healed. Right. So I was holding, have I have since I was very young, held two mutually exclusive ideas at the same time.
2: So that was one of those cases where something you were experiencing to be true was... Not held to be true by my culture. By your culture, and therefore there was the conflict. And yeah. this cognitive dissonance is, yeah. is where, it really is where these paradigm shifts can come from. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had that that dissonance. Uh, I think I grew up with a lot of it all the time, but it didn't didn't challenge me or force me into a different, absolutely different perspective of looking at kind of everything until I went to live in another culture. Yes, yeah, and because
0: then you come right up against all of your um, perceptual.
2: Yeah, and it's it's possible. To spend time in a vastly different culture and part of the world, and hold and cling tightly to your paradigm, we yeah. encountered many people who were expats living in this country who yes. were merrily operating on yeah. the same par- yeah. principles mm-hmm. and methods of uh, understanding the world, you know, Canadians, but doing this in Sri Lanka. This Sri Lanka was the place that I was where this happened for me. Yeah. But when you when you're there long enough, and especially if you are not keeping yourself isolated and only interacting with people who have the same worldview as you. Um, If you're engaging regularly with people and making friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. with people who have an alternate perspective on the world, it can't help but rub your corners off or peel the face off of it, which
0: is what happened with me. Yeah, when we peel the face off, it's really uncomfortable. Oh, I Mm. mean, it makes us feel insecure, vulnerable, Exposed, raw. I mean, we have a lot of words for for these things. Yeah. So I think um, the human, the, the, the very human way of dealing with that is to stay with people of like mind, because it's more comfortable. Right. Um, and we can do that as long as we're in the majority. Mm-hmm. But but if there's there will be a minority. There's always f- people on the fringes who will start nibbling. In they they start influencing us in from the outside, and when they reach critical mass, then we have a shift. Right, and, and that's so on a societal level. That's on a societal level, and it and we've had some scientific shifts when like when Copernicus came along and right. and earth centered or yeah maybe sun-centered. maybe it's sun centered and not earth centered. There was I mean that was. That was very significant at mm-hmm. that time. Um, uh, monotheism and polytheism—that was that was another one. Um, the the way we've organized our calendars in the world, because um, now we have a Gregorian cha- calendar in the West, and and so and that's pretty much world dominant right now. But there but there have been other ways, and so it's how do we organize information that comes in through our senses and what what do we do with it and how do we ascribe meaning to it and when there's a when there's critical mass then we start to shift that yeah. then we start to find a new words coming into our language because if we're going to look at it a different d- way then we have to find words concepts it comes in through art it comes in through M- you know, m- music, dance, yeah. like all, all and this c- is where kinds the, of ways. The newfangled
2: terms come in, right? And that can yes. make us. Uh, uh, and some yeah. and language evolves as well. Where words that used to mean this specific thing are now being used to mean this thing, or are being yeah. combined with other. But yes. this is this is the evolution of language. We're always seeking to describe better. Yes. What, whatever. And, is, and I
0: think that the or, language or and us. the exploration of another way of looking at the world go. They come very closely together because when we're looking at things in a different way we want to find a way to express it so even if it's jargon and it's within closed groups that are safe and and at first small um sometimes isolated mm-hmm. right i mean i when i was when i knew i was psychic you know 30 years ago i couldn't talk about it as freely as i talk about it now so so my language around it wasn't expanding as quickly because there was nobody to talk to about it mm, right. or very few people to talk to about it. So so we can, we can see how this m- moves our culture along. And I think there are some, some shifts that are the big, huge shifts and some that are adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, the Industrial Revolution, to me, was an adjustment. It, it wasn't a, an absolute shift. Mm. Um, I wasn't there then, so I can't speak to it. <laughs> no, no, we can't speak to it. But, but I think also that there are some things that I think have happened on this earth that are not recorded in our written history making um, or have been written out of history, like um, women in powerful positions and women's contribution during right. the Middle Ages was written out of history by male historians. Right. So so it's like it didn't exist that
2: did. That's a nice uh example to use for a second just to, to go back to so our, our main topic is around space say, problem solving. Mm-hmm. So the the point of how our paradigms influence when we're searching for answers. Yes. or how we're interpreting yeah. the evidence. And mm-hmm. right along those lines that makes me think of the um the the archaeological remains that they have found mm-hmm. up around Sweden, Norway, that area mm-hmm. and how for a long time they assumed that the burials were of men and it wasn't until the last couple of years that there was uh, several that they had to uh, they actually looked at it with a lens and was like, oi! <laughs> this is this is a and female." And the, the
0: leaders, that the warriors were women. Yeah. And so we you, know that by the by the wounds that they see in the bones. Mm,
2: yes. And so this shows how the paradigm which is the you know a, an interpretation of the world that yeah. men are the fighters women are at home so
0: we only look for the
2: things that fit our they didn't f- our perspective yeah we didn't right? probably didn't even stop to check mm-hmm. what gender is the skeleton no, <laughs> you know because no. it just didn't enter their mind no. and this is how we become blind to possibilities yes and it's not a willful blindness because it's ignorant our our paradigms can make us ignorant <laughs> and yes. how how so? Mm, there's a thing here. I pulled up a page here in, in Wikipedia called um, "on divergent thinking." Mm-hmm. So this is uh, a phrase that I don't know if all of our listeners will have heard it before. I'm going to tweet it out. Yes. So that you, if you're if you're encountering this for the first time, you can start to see what it's about. But this mm-hmm. is divergent thinking. Is is generally I've heard of it in terms of being a desirable qual- quality, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to say academia education jobs which require problem solving etc it's like one of those phrases that's used to describe how someone's brain works not necessarily that it works the same way as other people who have divergent thinking but the point is that it goes off shooting in strange directions and can find interesting information because it does that um and you like there's a phrase the
0: which is the which What's the thing deviant about the bees? Thinking. Deviant, deviant yeah. bees. This is yes. Yes. you should it's say about the It's a version of the deviant bees. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for those of you just joining us, um, you're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca Mears and Luca Halex, and today we're talking about um, a form of thinking outside the box in order to solve problems. So if we, the idea being that if we keep doing things the way we've been doing them, then we'll get the same results that we've already got, and and now we're we're looking for ways that we can work outside of that system to solve problems in new ways, at least yeah. I am. Um, so I should speak for myself. Yeah. So we're, we're just taking a look at divergent thinking and what that right. is.
2: So when it comes to problems, I know this is, this is um, a quality that I try to exercise. You could call it like a muscle. Quality doesn't seem quite right. Mm-hmm. Where I try to challenge myself with... What, what am I taking for granted? What am I assuming? Because when you're looking at possibilities, especially if you're not seeing any possibilities or
0: you're. <laughs> or the only ones you can see are the ones that you've already tried that didn't work. Exactly. Right? And the whole idea of
2: thinking outside the box or turning it on its side is really to go back to those assumptions and to double check them. Mm-hmm. Or to even just pretend like they weren't what you assumed them to be. And well, see first what of all, might... you're
0: finding the assumptions, right? Because assumptions are invisible. Yeah. Until so, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to troll for assumptions. Yeah. You have to challenge everything to see if there's any assumptions hidden in there, Un- yeah. unproven it's assumptions, really... unchallenged yeah. assumptions. It's
2: really hard to to do that at times because you feel like you're you might be reinventing the wheel but the point is if you've successfully done this before where it's, it's sort of like tapping on the walls where you, 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 you know, of course they're all solid. Passage. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Of course they're all solid, you know. You've lived there forever, but you're yeah. going to do it anyways mm-hmm. just in case all of a sudden you find a soft spot and, oh, well, what what could might be possible then? And really, actually, that question becomes one of the guiding forces, at least for me. Mm-hmm. What else might be possible? There's curiosity. What if? What if, mm-hmm. what if it isn't so? Yeah. There's curiosity in that, which allows you to experiment and you're not drawing a, cl- a conclusion where you're just throwing everything that you think you know out the window. It's just, well, if this wasn't so, mm-hmm. what would it look like if it wasn't so? And
0: I think that we need to bring a quality, and, we, and you mentioned this earlier, a quality of curiosity to that. In other words, non-judgmental playing with it. that that when we bring that sense of fun and play to it, we're not so rigid because rigidity, hampers this process. It makes us feel like we're taking a risk. It feels scary. It feels uh, like we could do harm. Um, and, and a lot of people would say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hmm. Uh, so sometimes I think we have to play around, idly play around with the idea of, well, what if it were some other way? I remember when I was a kid hanging upside down off the couch. And looking at the whole room, our living room, my brother and I used to do this together as though the floor were the ceiling and the ceiling were the floor. Mm -hmm. And then you've got furniture hanging off the ceiling. And we used to like turning our perspective, our perception around like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. We could do it. As kids, we could do it. We don't spend very much time doing that as adults. It feels Irresponsible and childish. It feels like a waste of energy. And a waste of energy and a waste of time. And time is a commodity. And, and then, but even time is part of our paradigm, right? So if time, even if, because I, I say this all the time, time. what if time and space are not what we think they are? Then what if time is expandable and, and contractable? Then what does the world look like? Then uh, what's a waste of time maybe isn't a waste anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we... And this is why... I heard somebody say the other day about what happens to a bored mind. When a, when you're doing something that's rote, washing dishes, washing the car, uh, doing laundry, ironing, um, uh, cleaning the house, uh, weeding, whatever whatever it is that seems to be... You've done it so many times you don't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It allows the brain... The resting brain to problem solve in a different way. Right. So they're now saying it there is value to being bored, quote
2: unquote or, bored, or to doing uh, menial. And I'm using menial in in air quotes here because one person's menial is another person's something else. But um, that's why some of the top companies now build into their work schedule for their employees one or two days, even a week, where they are meant to be doing loosely structured, repetitive activity, whatever that looks like for them. So maybe it's you swim, maybe it's you go horseback riding, maybe it's you play golf, but the point is you're doing. Yeah, whatever it looks like for you. But mm-hmm. the point is you're actually being paid for that because mm-hmm. those are the times when the Eureka's hit. Yes.
0: Yes. I can't tell you how many solutions I've found in my sleep or in the shower Yeah, when I am not, quote unquote, working. Yeah. My brain it gives me all kinds of things when I'm sleeping. Yes. I'll just, I'll wake up in yeah. the middle of the night yeah. and be like, oh. Sometimes oh. in the middle of exercise. <laughs> sometimes in the middle of doing something like, something creative, painting, dancing, yeah. doodling. Yeah. Um, if, and well, we could go on and on from there. We
2: were we were playing Jenga once with Micah years and years ago when mm. we both had the epiphany of Oh, my, is this not like life? It's
0: just like life. Yeah, yeah.
2: and it's become such. A and helpful I now call tool. it my Jenga
0: block view of life.
2: Yeah, we both use this as a tool all <laughs> yes, the time. Yes. Um, I feel like we should pop over to a song Yes, it's time Yeah, okay uh, Which one do I pick? I'm going to pick Diana Ross's first So <laughs> my partner mm-hmm. started singing this to me today When he heard what our topic was going to be
0: <laughs> And so uh, I thought, I haven't heard that we can, song in We'll forever. take help from anywhere we can get it Right?
2: Exa- oh, he's awesome at picking songs yeah, too he is. So, uh, shout out to Uta if he's listening um, We're going to listen to Diana Ross Upside Down And then we will be back here in the studio in a few minutes To uh, do some more Divergent Thinking together With you Welcome back to Central Conversations with Luca and Rebecca. We were just listening to Diana Ross singing "Upside Down" and "Inside Out." Inside Out, all of the things. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. She was spinning around and around. Well, I was. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Uh, what was that? I had a I had a brilliant thought right before the break. It was about about um, how we think about things. So oh, it's gone. It'll come back. Well, you were talking about
2: um, your
0: mum. And oh, the internet yeah. yeah, she was she was shut shut out of the internet. she's eighty five. so she was we were we were trying to get her reconnected. So eventually, I went over there to see if I could bring my my uh, m- more technically savvy mind than hers to the <laughs> to the problem. We spent two and a half hours working on it. The tech guy came today. And took a look at it and said, "Oh, your your modem is crapped out. It's uh, it's old. It, it's on its last legs, um, and not only that, but the one for your TV is too. And replaced them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we wasted all this time <laughs> to, over like, a month." <laughs> well, yeah, and then the hours—you know, being inconvenienced and being shut out and getting frustrated about it, only to find that the hardware that allowed us to access our information source was out of date. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how mindsets get out of date. Yeah, and we we find we find ourselves in a position where we have discomfort friction points because things aren't working anymore. And that's what causes us to go looking for something else. It, and it has to get pretty uncomfortable before we start looking. It has to be more uncomfortable to stay in the old system than to, move, uh, to, to start looking for the possibility of a new system, and then, even further, to move into it. Mm-hmm. This was actually not a difficult, it's not gonna be a difficult move, they just plug a new box in. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know we needed it. <laughs> and nobody said to her, "If you experience these problems, then probably you need a new box." Because they don't want to be giving out new boxes. Mm-hmm. I guess it
2: costs money. Well, and also I think it's the troubleshooting, right? They needed to come and test a whole bunch of things in person, and yeah, until they do, I guess. Not, they would. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, but know. I think this is it's a great metaphor for for what we do in life. We yeah. cruise along. We don't go looking for something. Until we feel a need, mm-hmm. and often that need comes out of a place of discomfort, right? Disease with the with the status quo, mm-hmm. and some of us, I think, get dis-easeful earlier. <laughs> Maybe those, that, that's that's those of us who are the deviant bees, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that twenty percent of society is not going to do things the way everybody else does; they'll constantly be questioning the current paradigm, quote unquote. And trying to find new ways.
2: Um, And yes. And I think also people who are very unhappy with change can get into disease very, very easily. But we try very hard to just make sure that nothing else will change. We just don't want to change. Yes. And the problem is that that everything else is changing around us. So if we don't learn to make these movements that are perhaps smaller in more regular quantities then we end up having to go through catastrophically huge doesn't have to be catastrophic but it can feel catastrophic and i
0: think some people are hardwired to uh look for change and and be comfortable with change faster and more easily than others Mm -hmm. Um, and the ones that are least comfortable with change like that are the ones who are going to come through the, the come across the finish line last right? And it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just different. It's a different way of approaching the world. Uh, They give our world some stability. Uh, When we're, you know, in the throes of things working, they they keep everything nice and stable. Those of us who keep trying to shake the tree to see what falls out of it, we are destabilizers. But we also test the system to see if it needs to change or not. So I'm, uh, uh, and then I have a lot of friends who are more, much more destabilizers than I am. So I don't tend to think of myself that way, particularly. But compared to the the um, the bulk of society, I am one of those people who shakes the tree. So as a consequence, we're here. We are doing a radio show about this very topic. (laughs) It is a form of shaking the tree, right? Yeah, Um, and gently shaking it. Um, I'm not wagging my finger at anybody i'm no, no, no. I'm just saying yeah. w- we we will go through changes, and i i my sense you know from all the readings that I do, my sense is that we are in the throes of a change. I hope it will be a peaceful change, but you know
2: so I'm trying to track some of the things that we're popping out with in terms of like if we were to design a toolkit for mm-hmm. Divergent thinking, yeah. equipping, equipping ourselves with divergent thinking stuff. Mm-hmm. To say you're going to do divergent thinking, to say that you're going to change a paradigm, easy things to say. So here are, mm-hmm. here are practical things. We're going to collect these together. So I'm tweeting mm-hmm. these things out. You can yeah. follow us uh, on Twitter at Essential Conv. That's spelled essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. So before the music break, we had talked about the question, what else might be possible as one of those things which can kind of help us to get into the curiosity mm-hmm. mode so we can challenge Assumptions, and challenge what we think is true to just just test it. See, mm-hmm. is it is it really so? It might there be something else. Um, and another um, approach is to uh, one of the things that very commonly comes out of our mouths when we're in we're feeling stuck. Something we got a problem, we have got an issue. We need to find a way to the other side of it, but we're super frustrated because it feels like nothing is possible. Mm-hmm. And so this is becomes a refrain we say to ourselves: nothing is possible, nothing, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm to stuck. get out of here. I'm stuck. Yes. We're stuck. There, there, there is nothing I can see that will work. And we say things like this, like a conclusion. Yeah. Now, they're really an observation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're saying, I can see nothing that can work from where I am right now. Yes. Really. that's yes. not. We're not, we're not no, no. necessarily saying it without awareness, mm-hmm. but that is the whole truth of this statement, there's nothing I can do. It is, I can see nothing that I can do from where I am right now. Yes. And a personal challenge would be to acknowledge that that statement is a conclusion Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily represent reality. No. There may be alternative possibilities beyond what we can see. It
0: happens in life all the time. Yes, yes. And and part of part of I think if we're looking at a toolkit, one one question to ask would be how can I change my position? How can I shift my perspective? What do I need to do to shift my perspective? There's a guy named Edward de Bono who was the right. Uh, he coined the phrase lateral thinking, and he's been used a lot in the world of organizations to challenge the status quo and find new solutions. Um, and he wrote a A really handy little book called six thinking hats and the idea is that uh, each of the six hats is a different color and you put six hats in the middle of the table or you can put you know a drawing of six different hats on six pieces of paper and throw them into the middle of the table and when you want to shift perspective you take a different hat So the black hat would be the naysayer, the the person who finds fault. Uh, the, uh, The yellow hat might be a different way of thinking, right? The white hat might be the optimist. And so you can take a hat and not have to be that thing. You can just put the hat on. And try out that perspective for a little while and then take it off again and try on another hat for another perspective. What it does is it externalizes that process of uh, looking at what perspective I'm coming mm-hmm. from and, and it, makes it into somewhat of a game. And it works. I have to say it works
2: best when you're not doing it alone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you can do it alone. You can
2: do it alone. But it's
0: easier it will, when there's a room full of people.
2: Well, it doesn't even have to be a room full. I mean, if you've got one or two friends that are willing yes. to sort of help you, help mm-hmm. bounce off. Because mm-hmm. usually different personalities lean to a certain one of those, I'm using air quotes now, hat yes. types, right? Yes. And... So therefore, when you get a mix of personalities that help to hold the space while you're um, asking these questions, then it um, it really can open up the answers. You start to hear things that you wouldn't have come up with mm-hmm. yourself, but that you can yeah. recognize. I oh. mean,
0: sometimes it's a group problem, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's an individual one, yeah. right? E- so re- yeah. either way. Really,
2: this yeah. is also starting to get to something very important, though, which is, if you want to find new solutions, if you want to find new paradigms, it's awfully hard to do it on your own. Yes. It really is. Yeah. We are we are we find things in community. The variety of personality, of characteristics, of experience, of ma- ways that brains work, um, the perspective that various cultures brings into things. The more diversity we have and we engage with, when we are. Dealing with the problem um, will help us see new possibilities. And the more
0: inclusivity we have around it. um, And uh, different, uh, 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 not just cultural differences, but also age differences. Mm -hmm. Um, Differences between the sexes. Differences um, in uh, uh, where we come from geographically, uh, not just in terms of countries, but mountain people versus ocean Mm -hmm. people versus yeah you know yeah all of these so things all of turn. these things are valuable. I mean well, I think one of the things I value most and I was thinking about this this morning uh, about community is uh variety mm-hmm. that everybody comes from something different. everybody has a different sense of humor, everybody has a different way of expressing themselves, a different way of looking at things, a different gift or yeah. talent and and the more we can include all of those in our problem solving um the i think the the richer we are in resources mm mm-hmm. exactly i can remember it
2: was an unusual dream i had a few months ago and i don't even remember all of it but i somehow i was in i was in a parliament or senate or congress or something and i was i was confronting an older white male who was who had just stood in front of everybody and was was saying this is this is the decision that we're going to make and it was on a topic that impacted the whole nation. And I don't know why I was there and why I was getting to call him out. But I remember with with all this passion and vehemence, I had said to him, you didn't talk to enough people and you didn't talk to enough kinds of people to Mm -hmm. come to the conclusion that you're coming to. And (laughs) the essence of that, that the reason I'm bringing it up here, is this is where diversity and pulling from the variety of decisions, it's not just That's a good thing. It's an essential thing. It's essential. In order to make decisions that have an impact on a wide range of people rather Mm -hmm. than just ourselves, if Mm -hmm. we are in a position where we're creating policy or we're we're doing things within a business and it's going to roll out on all of the employees or it's going to roll out on all of our clients, Mm -hmm. if we look at the pool from which we're getting our our input Mm -hmm.
0: and there's not a whole lot of diversity, we need to change that. Yeah, and that's a listening process. And, and there are different ways of listening. You can listen to defend your position or you can listen to gather information. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we need more of the listening to gather information. Right. And that's a, that's a skill and it can be learned. Yeah. It, not everybody is born being able to do that. Not everybody grows up within a system that honors that or fosters it.
2: And in order to be in a position where you're listening to gain information, there's a certain amount of security Mm -hmm. you need to have. Um, Sometimes that needs to be a choice, though, a choice to step down out of defense. Yes. We can be aware of, oh, Mm -hmm. look, I'm being Mm -hmm. defensive here. What if I were to not be defensive and to be curious?
0: Mm -hmm. And what am I defending? Right. Because... There's usually something that's good about the system we're moving out of. So we don't want to throw the baby right. out with the bathwater, right? Mm-hmm. We, we may want to say, well, let's, this, this is this system, and we'll park it over here. And we'll, we may take it apart, and we may look at its constituent parts and decide which pieces we think we might like to keep because they work well. Right. And maybe there's some pieces that don't serve us anymore. Yeah, being willing to release those. That's an excellent yeah. process, too. Yeah. The
2: honoring of what works... Yeah. and the, and communicating the desired roll those forward
0: mm-hmm. and they may expand well and in the we, new make, we make assumptions about what works too and it may be that some of those things that we think work only work for True. a percentage of the population and if we identify it and put it out there and get other opinions on it there may be 60% of the people in the room who say or in the group or consultancy or whatever who say no actually that doesn't work for me mm-hmm. you've been assuming it works. Because your voice is loudest mm-hmm. and has most power. And, and you can't hear me down here screaming right. that that doesn't work for me and exactly. hasn't worked for me for the last 50 years. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: it's a, but this is a dynamic process, and I don't think it's ever done. No. No. And this so is- you, you, you don't arrive somewhere and say, okay, done and dusted, now we can get on with it. Because in our right. world, everything is changing all the time. So, so this is a process there's always somebody analyzing and there's always somebody implementing. And that makes me think of uh,
2: allyship again, uh, re- referencing, you know, the land acknowledgement that we did at the at the beginning. Yes. Being an ally. That's a start. That's, it's a start. It's, it's a nowhere, start. nowhere near the nope. end. But um, where I've come to, and I'm not finished with understanding what it means to be an ally, mm-hmm. um, where I'm at currently is recognizing that, it is going to be an ongoing learning process where things will fall away. I will know better, I will do better. It's not an arrival of now I'm an ally, I get a badge Mm-mm. and can just <laughs> I mean it seems ridiculous when I even say that. Mm-hmm. But I think too often we want to be we want to be on the right side of whatever, right side of history,
0: the right side of, yes. history, the right mm-hmm. side of well, there's uh, some shame associated with discovering your blind spot
2: sure
0: and and it's uncomfortable in fact shame is excruciating
2: shame is and i don't find it to be a very helpful emotion no. i find it to no. be a weapon weapon And i don't emotion. think it
0: helps to shame people who haven't changed yet and i was thinking about this in terms of women and and the language that we use so we used to call somebody who who uh, was responsible for a meeting the chairman right and we've now shifted the language to chairperson right but at the beginning that was really uncomfortable, and women were constantly having to uh, correct the men in power around the use of the term. Um, and there are many other terms that we've we've started to challenge. It is not seen as such a rebellious act anymore to say, "Oh yeah, you yeah, know that's person, not man." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've and we found different words. It's now mail carriers as opposed to the mailman. Right. Um, so we call people workers. We've, we're finding more neutral language to use a- around this. Well, where that's the beginning. The language is just the beginning. And then right. we have to line up behind what does it mean when we start seeing things differently. There's
2: a delightful person who has uh, taken that concept and run with it. One of the ways that he he helps to effectively shift those things is... By taking phrases, I mean he probably has a stack of old magazines, maybe not even that old, mm-hmm. and he takes things that have been said about women, mm-hmm. questions asked of women, um, suggestions, advice given to women, and he just flips it and makes mm-hmm. it about men. Yeah, and, and then you can see you the can absurdity, see the ridiculousness of it. Of it. I'm yes. going to actually tweet out a link to his Facebook page because he he mm-hmm. gives me great delight all the time when I yes. when I take a look at it. He's yes. called
0: the man who has it all. Yeah, and if we can bring humor to it, John Cleese said that once. He he said we have to be able to laugh at ourselves. Not not at other people, but at ourselves before we can release the old behavior and begin to shift into new behavior. Yeah. 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 So we, uh, we were talking earlier today about your current project. Right. Um, which is a paradigm shifting project. Yeah. Um so and we we have talked about it on the show before but for people who, um who are listening today who have not heard it before maybe you can just give us a
2: uh, Yeah I think I've only referenced it on the show so far. Yeah. Um. So, but we've, de- but I have definitely talked about my my house and the the project of my own house. Yes. Which is really what this next project is yes. kind of being born out of. Yeah. So there is a new project that I'm launching uh, soon. It's called the Blossom Co-Housing Project, and this springs out of me taking a step back and looking at what I did uh, to get into and to stay and and stabilize within the house that I have here in Vancouver, rented, not, mm. not owned, and looking at that with a view of uh, it being a model mm. and that, therefore, it's an adaptable model and that other people could try to so was So peri-
0: there was a pain point before that. Well, yes. Right. So in order Which for this, this to happen... Which this grew out of.
2: Yeah. So for me to... so, re- Rewinding through the mm. years, um, about four 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 and a half years ago, I was a single mom. And I needed to find a new place in Vancouver, since this is where my kids were with their dad and they were schooling. And if I wanted to see my children, I needed to be in Vancouver. So I was hunting for a home at, with a very low, well, medium budget. But I mean, in Vancouver, medium budget means low. It means low. <laughs> yes. The mm. cost of housing here is very high yep. and availability is very low. Mm. And I found myself getting increasingly despondent and frustrated because I was constantly trying to find what to change my, my my expectations or my standards what I was bringing to the table or what I was expecting so if I could just be okay with perhaps a one bedroom instead of a two bedroom which is really ridiculous when you think about it I had two boys who were becoming teenagers but still I was seriously looking at one bedrooms because I couldn't you couldn't look more for more than that it at was that point uh, ridiculously yeah. out of my range for prices yeah. so Okay, well, if I could just be okay with a one-bedroom house for me and my two two almost teenage boys, um, and but then what's the maximum I could afford? So stretching that end of it really far, so it's like this really weird equation of shrinking myself and what I expect for our living space, but maximizing what I'm going to be giving. the equation to hopefully have just a few more houses I could look at. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, facing situations where landlords won't even contact me back as soon as they hear I have kids. Mm -hmm. It's against human rights, but it happens all the time here in Vancouver. They're just uninterested in having children in their home for Mm -hmm. whatever complications they perceive that to be, so they just don't call you back. Mm -hmm. Or they just outright say no, or whatever. You get dropped off the radar. And I had limited time to go and look at houses because childcare can always be a problem. You don't want to drag your kids everywhere if you're looking at houses and all the complications that can bring money. Um, being able to, on the spot, hand over a check, which was what I was finding, was necessary. Because otherwise, be able, somebody
0: else would come and scoop you, you by paying, by you, offering to pay. Hundred dollars or more just, a month. Just or having whatever. those
2: checks ready, because yeah. I mean, I'd have mm-hmm. the conversation, and sometimes I'd walk away, and I'd, I'd spend an hour trying to figure out, okay, can I get this? Can somebody transfer me this extra money? I can go and get this now. Going back and finding even that one hour was too late. Yeah, like, it's just you have to be mm-hmm. so on it. Mm-hmm. So if you've got limited access to the resources, limited time in which to look, you're going to end up with the dregs. Mm -hmm. And this is what we see happening in not only in this city, but in a lot of cities around the world. Mm -hmm. People with limited, um, with with, let's say mobility issues, Mm -hmm. with um, limited access to funds at the drop of a hat, Mm -hmm. um, limited time, limited access to care, uh, child care, Mm -hmm. are not able to show up to the game. I'm using air air quotes Mm -hmm. now. The game of hunting for a house with the same accessibility Mm -hmm. As so it's not an equal playing field. Joe or Jill Blow. It's not, mm-hmm. an, it's not an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Combine that with not getting callbacks if you have kids. Mm-hmm. If you're on disability, a lot of people won't even be interested in housing you because they don't like the fact that you're not working mm-hmm. a job that brings mm-hmm. in a certain amount of money. So for myself, I hit that pain point, which was mm-hmm. I can't find it. And you were also self-employed. Yes, self-employed. So my finances were therefore up and down, etc. And they want you to, sh- to prove whatever. Sometimes a lot of these pieces want you to show your bank account info. It just seems mm-hmm. wrong to me, mm-hmm. but that's the market here. So the the frustration and the despair led me to a temper tantrum. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I started looking at the well, most... This
0: is crisis pain point.
2: Yeah. Right? I started looking with a I, I was despondent and and not looking not looking in this place for a solution, but just looking here in in upsetness. Mm-hmm. I started looking through the most expensive houses on Craigslist, this rotten attitude saying who could rent these houses anyway most expensive five thousand dollars a month who's renting these
0: places? And you also at the same time had a a, a worldview that was very community centric. True, you you um, the idea of sharing resources, of of um, making things accessible um, to other people, uh, helping other people. So yeah, you brought the, that. That was like just part of how you breathe in the world. Sure,
2: that's the fabric of yeah. my being. But I yes. wasn't recognizing you weren't that conscious I was, of no. it.
0: But that. That was part of what was going on
2: around looking at bigger houses. Well, but I was looking just with a bad attitude of, you know, these these houses are on the market. Who can afford to rent these? This is ridiculous. And this could house this many of
0: people like me, you said.
2: Yeah, I don't even know that I thought that at the time when I was just looking through things. No, no, you did. I went and
0: looked at one of these places with you, and you were saying it as you walked through the place.
2: But that was after. So yeah. So the 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 Eureka yeah, point. Yeah.
0: Yes. Because you hadn't looked at the places. No. Yeah.
2: No. Yeah. So I was looking just through the pictures with this bad attitude mm-hmm. and seeing that they were not just multiple bedrooms and luxurious appointments mm-hmm. in the house, mm-hmm. but that they had large common spaces and multiples of mm-hmm. them. So like three living rooms, two living rooms, and a, yeah. and a multiple solarium, bathrooms,
0: and and a den
2: yeah. and whatever. Yeah. And so these common spaces were what suddenly. Made a light bulb go on for me um, because I run groups. You run groups. Mm -hmm. A lot of my colleagues run groups for things, and we're always trying to find warm and inviting spaces to hold them. And I Mm -hmm. had a a penny dropped in my head, and I grabbed my calculator, and I said to myself, well, what if you could be comfortable, Rebecca? I'm an introvert. What if Mm -hmm. you could be comfortable with sharing your living space with someone else? Mm -hmm. So I quickly did some addition based on what I knew uh, international students to be able to contribute um, Mm -hmm. monthly, and realized that If I got a bigger house, it might pay for itself, which just felt bizarre. That was the, like, mind-blown moment. It was what if. Yeah, and and it was also, this was the inside out. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd started with the assumption that what I can afford equals what I should get. Mm -hmm. That if what I could, what I was looking for within my price range didn't work, then I needed to look for smaller. Mm-hmm. And I needed to look f- and find more ways to make more money. So it was that inverse equation I was describing before. Me mm-hmm. shrink, money expand, because mm-hmm. that seemed like that was what I needed to do. And here we're looking at a different scenario where go bigger mm-hmm. becomes more affordable. That just doesn't yes, seem... Yes, because you share it in a community. Yes. So, I made a business plan, and I started looking at houses, and that was where you came with me. And then we started really, really feeling this of the potential of what a big and expansive space could could mean mm-hmm. and could create. I ended up um, getting a house with the help of my father for the first couple of months' rent. Shout out to my father. Thank you very much. You believed in this business plan and this and in me. Mm-hmm. We got it off the ground. Mm-hmm. I had to get it running because it needed to support itself, yes. like stat. Yeah. And I'm now four years down the road. Yeah. The house has th- thrived. I've blossomed in this house because mm-hmm. I had space in which to get and creative. Stability. And it created stability for me. Granted, I took the house expecting I'd have to move out within a year because mm-hmm. this is the crux point here. You, you kind of grab what you can in the moment. But mm-hmm. every year I've been able to sign another lease. So, And somewhere along the line, especially within the last year, although I've been telling this story to a bajillion people because I believe that other people could do this too. Mm-hmm. This isn't just something that I could do. And there's lots of these big houses out there on the market. And if you get creative, this same thing could happen for other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized that there's a lot of people who like the concept, but who aren't used to jumping off cliffs like I am. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have a history of jumping off cliffs. So <laughs> I just wasn't thinking about it. This is this was part of my paradigm of this is easy. You can do this. And then realizing, well, maybe it's not so easy for everyone who's not a Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And so... Then I realized, well, having been here for this long, um, I've got stability. Now this provides a different area of privilege for me that I did not have four years ago. The market around me has only gotten worse. So I'm watching my friends struggle as they're trying to find housing. And I realized, well, what if I, and I becomes plural, not Mm -hmm. just me, but anybody who's willing to step into this role. Yeah. I, with some privilege here could help to hold the risk part of what I did with this house and enable there to be houses that other people could come to live in, single moms, people on disability, other people who are marginalized in various ways who who are being relegated to the dregs of what's offered out there or just not even finding housing and just really really having a tough time. What if we can hold the risk parts, hold the lease, mm-hmm. they can come in with what they know to be their regular amounts of rent that work. And then r- what work, What has worked for my house after some, some experimentation is Airbnb in the extra rooms in the house. And if we were to hold the running of Airbnb in the other house, while they get used to this, while they figure out how that works, it becomes sustainable. Yeah. And so the people in the house... Have room to thrive, which is why I'm now calling this blossom, because <laughs> they mm-hmm. can blossom. They can blossom. Yeah, <laughs> they can blossom. Children can blossom when they're not in the dingy back room, dark, um, crazy days. landlord yep. taking advantage mm-hmm. of them. You know, they're in a space that feels good, that looks good, and if they're combined together, so in a house, if we have say two single mums and their kids, they become community to each other. Mm-hmm. They have e- they can they have each other's support. backs. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the greater project will probably be connected as well. All of the whatever houses get started will know each other and will be home, will be feeding into each other. So that's where I'm at. And what we're about to do is launch a fundraiser, but it's also an awareness raiser to spread the idea, spread the concept because. And more... answer
0: questions, because there'll be people who are interested in it, mm-hmm. but don't know very much about it. This yeah. is an
2: opportunity
0: to talk about yeah. it.
2: Yeah, And there's a team that's growing around me, but it's not just a team that's, you know, under me. We're kind of collaborators, colleagues of people who would like to see this happen, but they want to do a slightly different version of it. But we're staying close to each other because we can encourage each other on. So I want to see this grow. I want to see this. This. This is. This is an inside out project. And uh, this is like uh, the story of the man who's or woman, the person who's on a beach where there's uh, all these um, starfish that have been beached by the tide. And the starfish will die if they're left there. But there's thousands upon thousands of them on the beach. And this person's standing there tossing one starfish after a time into the ocean. Somebody else comes back, co- walks by and says, why are you? Why are you doing this? You're never going to save them all. And the person tosses another one said made a difference for that one. Yeah, And that is the approach here. Yeah. We can wait for the city. We can wait for the province. We can wait for wait the federal government. for all government the conditions to be perfect. To change yeah. and yeah. fix this problem that was systemic in its yeah. creation. Yeah, Or we can engage on an individual level and we can start making a difference right here, right now, this mm-hmm. family right here, mm-hmm. that family right there. One house at mm-hmm. a time. Yes, And it will change the fabric of those people's lives.
0: And yes. I think that's worth it. Yes, and that goes out from there. It's yep. contagious. Yeah. It's um, People learn from one another. It's like the 100th monkey. Hi, <laughs> I am 100 monkeys. <laughs> I am 100 monkeys. So we're coming up to the end of the show here. I know. Just um, the the time, time goes really quickly. We may have to come back and visit this topic again another time because it's deep and wide and uh, bears um, more exploration, I feel. Uh, but we had a good time with it yeah. today. um. So if people want to uh, find out more about um, your project... I'm actually grabbing a
2: link right now, You're and grabbing I'm a link, tweeting so. that out. So you can go to, um, go to Facebook so that you can connect with a group that's there. Mm-hmm. We're going to be running a lot of the fundraiser information through that. So if you mm-hmm. look up Blossom Co-Housing Project, mm-hmm. you'll find us there, or just block Blossom Co-Housing, you'll find us. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd love to connect with anybody who might know landlords that might be interested in having their houses be used for a project like this. We'd mm-hmm. like to hear from people who might get, like to get involved with donations of goods Or funds or anything really time energy resources we'd love Mm -hmm. to hear from people who think this might be a model for them yeah 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 so anybody
0: anybody Anybody. who finds this in any way interesting is um, welcome to Mm -hmm. participate I'm 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 one of the supporters from the (laughs) sidelines because I think that this is this is an really important shift for us in our culture um, to make, Especially in this city and any other cities, big cities in the world where uh, land is very expensive and therefore housing is um, expensive and at a minimum. Yeah. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halex, Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at com. I light the fires that
2: light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at CatchingFire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, 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 ah,
1: happy, 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 happy. Boing, boing,